Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. So I'm going to share a word that came to uh, Faith Family Church on December 12th of 2018. How many were here in 2018? A few of us, right? And so um, this was for Faith Family Church. So how many of you are part of Faith Family Church? <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> so this word pertains to, to us as a body, but, but really we're responsible for ourselves individually. And then there's unity in that when everybody is responsible for themselves individually with the words that come forth, then we've got like a whole crowd of people that are being responsible to the word that's come forth and walking in it. And there's tremendous unity in that, right? There's tremendous things that God will, will do and move and just because it's not just, you know, four people are in, but we're talking hundred people are in and we're all going towards the same goal and the same, um, things that God has for us. And so, and I believe God has some amazing things. We've already seen amazing things, but, but to ever think that we've arrived is a mistake. And it's really a deception. And it really is pride. And so I'm going to read this to you. So I want you to, to look at this as it's not, this is not just, it, Faith Family Church is not a building we are Faith Family Church, and we reside in this building. But that's who we are. That's what God has called us to be. He's planted each one of us here. And uh, so this is for us. Say, this is for me. All right? And when we go through, yes, it is. And when we go through this, um, there's going to be some challenging things, but, oh, there's going to be some really exciting things and really challenging things we should just look at those as exciting things too right we should welcome them in because the scripture talks about how that he disciplines those he loves and discipline with the lord is so good it really is so good don't ever compare discipline with the lord uh, compare it with discipline that you received out of the flesh from somebody because he doesn't discipline out of the flesh he doesn't he's a spirit he's not flesh okay God is dealing with you um, in in so much love in so much um, purity and in perfectness is how he deals and so when we get dealt with that way it's exciting because why does discipline come it's so that we can change and walk in more fullness than we did before we changed. That's the purpose. And so we're going to be challenged in this, but at the same time, oh man, there's some exciting stuff that's going to come through this message. So the word was, and this was actually given by Brother Mark over there, and uh, this was in 2018, so I want you to listen to this. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to read a portion, the portion that the Lord has been bringing back to my remembrance. So it says, you are at the place of a crossing over. Once you do, there will be no turning back. 
The things that sustained you before will not be adequate or necessary anymore. Your sustenance will now come from the fulfilled promise, not from the wilderness wandering anymore. As I fulfill one promise, one word, one dream, I will replace it with greater dreams, greater promises, and greater vision. But also with that will come stronger resistance, greater obstacles, and fiercer battles. Yay! (laughs) I will take you as far as you want to go. Don't give way to complacency. No, we have arrived attitude. Humility will be your greatest asset, faith your greatest ally. The harvest is great and the fields are ripe. Move forward with me and I will use you to fill the bins with grain. Hallelujah. Greater vision, quicker harvest, more efficient harvest, less harvest lost. And I'm not going to go on to read the rest of that word, but you can go back to that service on 1218 or 1212 of 2018 and listen to it, but the, the portion of that word that the Lord just began to bring back to me was um, humility will be your greatest asset. Humility will be your greatest asset. Now, I find it interesting that that will be our greatest asset and then faith, our greatest ally. What has Sean been preaching on? Faith. So we're getting both parts of this word, our asset and our ally, right? And these are important. This is a word from, this is not a word from Mark. This is a word from the Lord. And so as we are going to be looking at humility, you can see why I said there's going to be some challenging things, but there's going to be some really exciting things too, because the scripture says that those that humble themselves before the Lord, he lifts them up, that he gives grace to the humble, right? So much in there, so much in there. And so we're going to be going through that Um, in the next four weeks, but today I just want to lay the foundation of humility. Um, How many know who our greatest example of humility is? It's Jesus. It is Jesus. He was, he is, was our greatest example of humility, and so we're going to look at a couple of scriptures about him this morning and how he just um, just a couple, not a lot, because we're going to spend most of this morning just kind of laying this foundation, so hang with me, all right? Um, because I have four weeks. <laughs> Yay! All right? And I'm excited about it, because I'm excited to grow myself, too, and I'm excited for us to grow. Um, but humility will be your greatest asset. Asset is a benefit and advantage It's a strong point, an aid, a help. It's also used as a military term, something useful to to foil or defeat an enemy. So an asset is a strong point. It does not say that humility as an asset will be a weak point, right? 
It's a strong point. See, God always does things a little bit opposite than the world and their ideals and their ideas. And I think that, you know, um, which is awesome because this is why, I mean, this is why it's so important that we do really live by faith. Because you're surrounded with and inundated with the, with the world's idea of what humility is or lack of humility. They strive, we work, we, well, I made it, I did this, I did this, this is my, you know what I mean? We're, we're like for, for ourselves. And it's gone to a whole nother level now that the selfie has been put in place. It's selfishness. It's pride. And so we are, we are pushing against that force because have you ever noticed Jesus does not really ever really go the way of the world ever, okay? He goes his way. And us as believers are called to go his way. We are, the stature is Christ, And so we are to be on this earth living as Christ lived. And we're going to look at exactly what he did in this point of being um, humble and being obedient. We have everything we need. All right? We have all the power we need to do the same thing. So it's an asset. And I felt like the Lord said this. He said, this will cost us something. To be humble. Don't worry, it won't cost us the harvest that comes from, from sowing to the, to the Spirit. It's not going to cost you that. Everything that pertains to life, when proper, when proper open commitment and surrender to our Father occurs, there will be no corruption. That something that will, it will cost will be something of our own flesh and its desire of our own will. This can feel like you're losing life and what that holds, but that's only a facade. See, the enemy makes you think that you're losing something precious when it's impossible when you're sowing to the Spirit to lose something precious. A facade is an outward appearance which is deliberately false and gives you a wrong impression about something. You could call that deception. But let me remind you, you don't sow to the Spirit and reap corruption. He doesn't have corruption to give. He does not have. But what I'm saying here is in your flesh sometimes it can feel like you're going the opposite direction of of life. But really, when you're being obedient and you're submitted to the Lord, you're only going to harvest life. We're not going to harvest corruption and death when you're being in obedience to the Lord, no matter how tough it feels on your flesh at the moment. You may feel like you're losing everything, but you don't lose when you're in the Lord. You don't lose, you win every single time. I'm looking at winners here. Sometimes it can feel like you're taking a step back 
But God is saying, no, stay right here. Learn these things so that your step forward can be even more fruitful. Even more fruitful. And so in the next four weeks, we're going to look at humility. But today, we're going to actually look at what is humility. So um, I'm first going to read to you what it's not. How's that sound? And I don't know if you have this book. This is Humility by Andrew Murray, but it's an excellent book if you want to get a book on it. Um, I don't even know if Andrew Murray, what, I don't know, he's way past gone, right? Is he an older, I don't know. Anyways, that doesn't matter today. So humility is not the same as beating yourself up or letting other people put you down. So we're going to crush, because we hear humility and we think humiliation, right? You kind of go to that, but it's, it's, the Lord is showing me something that it is. That is awesome. But you'll have to wait till like week three to hear that, okay? But humility is not, is not the same as beating yourself up or letting other people put you down. Humility is not the same as low self-esteem. And it is not the opposite of confidence. In fact, the truly humble person walks with absolute confidence. Knowing that we are simply empty vessels through whom God wants to accomplish his work. When we understand true humility, we understand that it's not about us at all. It's about God. It's not about us at all. It's about God. And so, uh, humility. It's complete, abandoned trust in an unseen God. Webster defines it as, Reflecting, expressing, or offered in spirit of submission, it yields, it gives way, it's obedient. Humility. Humility is not simply an absence of pride. It is the realistic recognition of the grace of God. Realistic recognition of the grace of God. It's not just an absence of pride. Because you're not going to just say, out of your own self and your own power and your own ability, I'm just not a prideful person. I'm not a prideful person. But you, out of your own self, can say, God is my everything. My life is his. And living that way is living in humility and being humble. That it's not about me. It's not about me. Oh, and thank you, Lord. Walking into the things that the Lord has for us is not about us. It's not about me. It's for us, praise the Lord. But it's not about me. It's about us. I mean, it's not about us. It's about him. It's about his glory. It's about making him known. It's about making him seen. It's about lifting him high so that people can see that we serve a good God and he's faithful. It's not about us. Humility will be our greatest asset, a military tool that will be used in what we're walking into. 
And we've seen a portion, but there's more. There is more. Hallelujah. You should just sit and just see the more in your imagination. Praise the Lord. Humility is not depreciation of ourselves, but appreciation of God. Humiliation or humility is self forgetfulness. Humility is to make a right estimate of oneself, is what Charles Spurgeon said. Humility is not something that he bestows on us, but rather a realization that I am nothing without God. That is scripture. It says, I can do nothing without him. Even Jesus said, I say nothing and I do nothing except for what the Father tells me to say and do. Many times in the Gospels does he talk about that. That I can do nothing without him. The place of entire dependence on God. We owe him everything. We owe him our very existence. We owe him the fact that we woke up and took breath into our lungs this morning. We owe everything to him. The fact that we don't even have to taste death. That is out there. The death that we will experience is the comma in life where we actually go on to life like we've never experienced before. We owe him everything. We owe him everything. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to go verse 1 through 9. And... um, uh, we're really probably only going to make it to two. Man, time flies up here. We're right. <laughs> we're going to actually only be able to go to a couple scriptures. But remember, I have four weeks, so it's going to be great. We're going to get there. And we're going to get where we need to go. God knows where we need to go. All right, and I'm going to yield to Him. But in Philippians chapter two, verse five is where we're going to start. This is an example of Christ's humility. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, or he emptied himself of his privileges, taking the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. In the um, Amplified, it says, Having this same attitude in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus, look to him as your example in selfless humility, who although he existed in the form and unchanging essence of God as one with him, possessing the fullness of all the divine attributes, the entire nature of deity, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or asserted as if he did not already possess it, or was afraid of losing it, 
He emptied himself without renouncing or diminishing his deity, but only temporarily giving up the outward expression of the divine equality and his rightful dignity by assuming the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. He, came, he became completely human, but was without sin, being fully God and fully man. After he was found in terms of his outward appearance as a man for a divinely appointed time, he humbled himself still further by becoming obedient to the Father to the point of death, even death on a cross. He emptied himself of his privileges. This was his choice. This was his choice. God didn't make him do this. Jesus said, I'll do it. I'll do it. It was voluntary. He could not stop being God, but he emptied himself of the expression of deity, not the possession of deity. We're not going to spend a ton of time on that, but you could study that out. Basically, he came here as God because he had to be the perfect lamb, right? But he came here without all the superpowers, <laughs> if you could say that, right? He came here not being omnipresent, omniscient, um, all the omnis, all those. Maybe there's only two. I can't remember right now. But he came here coming in as a baby, having to grow and develop in the Lord and as a human at the same time. And he also came having to be led and directed and guided by the Holy Spirit, by his Father. He had to spend time with God. He had to be strengthened. He had to be encouraged. He had to take naps, I'm sure. He had to do all of these things, which means... Because he came in the likeness of a man, he was made in human form, he actually came and identified with us so that we could fully identify with him in what he carried out. We're in a good spot. We are in a good spot. You guys are hanging with me good, thank you. Jesus wasn't just a component of God, nor was he a symbol of God. In reality, he was God. The eternal God himself, Jesus possessed the very shape and outward appearance of God, a form that included great splendor, glory, power, and divine presence so strong that no flesh can endure it. He had to come as a human. He had to come in human form. Because if he would have come in all his splendor and glory, we would have all been annihilated. I don't know. Well, yeah, well, that would, that would be cool to be in eternity. But, but he had to come in the frailty of a human so that he could walk through life in humility and obedience and submission and commitment to God so that, that we would have no excuse to not be able to do the exact same thing that he did. No excuse. And honestly, we had it better than Jesus. Do you know why? 
Because we didn't experience the heaviness that he did. He did that for us. He's good to us. He chose and came in the appearance of likeness of man, a true human likeness, exact duplicate, identity, or an equivalent. He emptied himself so that we could empty ourselves of our own self and our own opinion. He died for us so that we could die to flesh and have the ability to do so to bring honor and glory through us a vessel for him and to him. That's the purpose. Humility, being humble before the Lord. Two things I notice about Philippians that when he came is he came to serve and he came to be obedient. Nothing in Philippians 2 says he came to serve himself. Nothing. He came to serve and he came to be obedient and honor his father. He submitted himself and became completely obedient to the point of death. Jesus, in a difficult position, humbled himself to the Father in obedience so that we could humble ourselves before the Father in obedience. Not only did he humble himself as a servant, but Paul goes even further to express that he humbled himself in a criminal's death. He did not deserve So that we could humble ourselves. And the death that we do and the death that we walk through is death to flesh and self. I die so that he can live. That's humility. I die so that he can live. I die to my flesh and I die to my own opinion and I obey and I submit to the word of God and I submit to the Lord and that is humbling myself before him. We could only do that because Jesus did that. Christ's humility is what led to our freedom just as pride lost our place, humility gained it back. And Jesus lived, not my will, but yours be done. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 26. You guys are hanging with me good. This is, this is great. I mean, I'm telling you, the freedom, the revelation that is going to be opened up in this subject of humility, I believe is going to be life-changing for us, for each one of us. I have not met a 24-7, 365 humble person. <laughs> So, that, you know what that means. We all have room to grow. All right? So just let's just take it in. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. So Matthew 26 and verse 38 through 39. We're going to start in 38. And you guys know this. This is when he's in the garden and he's praying. And then he said to them, verse 38, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Cup is a, is stand, it's like suffering. It's what that stands for. At this point, it's clear that Jesus is not feeling all the feels. You know what I mean by that? 
You know how many times we make decisions because we feel like it? We feel. I feel and I feel and I feel. I'm feeling. Jesus was not trying to get out of our redemption. But he was in the biggest battle of his life. And he said, if there's another way. But immediately followed it up with, not my will, but yours be done. Because the perfection, the blessing, the fullness, the glory that comes from God's plan in his direction is way beyond what we could ever come up with on our own. And in that moment, Jesus humbled himself in obedience unto death. Humbling himself was, he had such trust, such commitment, such adoration, such fear, such awe, such respect for his father. And the trust, God, this looks, it feels like I won't even be able to make it through. But because you said, this is the way, I know that I'm going to make it through. I know that I'm going to make it through. I know I'm going to make it through. Because it's your way. And you don't do corruption because it doesn't come from you. So he humbled himself to that point of death. And he said three times, not my will. That was humility. He was put in a position that he freely gave. He was not told to be there. He was not forced to do, be there. But out of his love for the people and his love for his father, he was committed to the plan until the end. And the best, most perfect harvest came from that submission and humbling himself to what the Father wanted. The best. No holes. Didn't miss a thing. Absolutely perfect. Absolutely perfect. Do you think that Jesus in that moment might have felt that everything was being lost? That he wasn't, that, that there was, I mean, listen guys, he was, remember he was human. He was in pain. I'm going to read something to you and, um, that I just think we need to hear. Because we need to put this in perspective before I go to my last point here. Jesus' emotional state was so intense that it says his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. The sweat is the Greek word Idros or idros. The word drops is the Greek word thrombos, a medical word that points to blood that is unusually thickly clotted. When these two words are joined, they depict a medical condition called hematidrosis, a condition that occurs only in individuals who are in a highly emotional state. Because the mind is under such great mental and emotional pressure, it sends signals of stress throughout the body 
these signals become so strong that the body reacts as if it were under actual physical pressure. As a result, the first and second layer of skin separate, causing a vacuum to form between them. Thickly clotted blood seeps from this vacuum, oozing through the pores of the skin. And once the blood seeps through it, it mingles with the sufferer's sweat that pours from his skin as a result of his intense inner struggle. In the end, the blood and the sweat mix together and flow down the victim's face like droplets to the ground. Has anybody ever been in that place? We will never have to be in that place. Because Jesus was in that place. He understands what we're feeling, do you think? When we're in distressing situations, when we're hard-pressed, when it seems rough, he understands what we're feeling. He understands what we're going through. We will never be in the place of heavy sorrow like Jesus was because Jesus did. He literally carried the weight of the world on his shoulders. You ever heard the saying, looks like they're carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders? Nah. Maybe the weight of your world. It wasn't Jesus' soul that kept him here there that day. It was his heart and commitment to the Father because he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. You don't have to turn here, but in John, you know, just write it down, or you can turn there if you want, it's up to you. John 12, 27 This is before the crucifixion. I don't know how far before. Jesus knew the plan. He had not yet experienced that agony. Okay? So he didn't know what that felt like until he got there. But he knew that he was going to have to be crucified and walk through that. So he said in verse uh, 27, Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Rick said it last week. Jesus was committed. He was committed. And we even see that Jesus, because he came in human form, that he had to walk through a difficult point where it was hard on his flesh, every part, mind, will, emotions. His soul was in complete agony. And do you realize the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in us, makes alive our mortal body, so we can never look at a situation, we can never look at something difficult in life 
and say there's just not enough grace to get through. Because the same spirit that we have in us was the one that Jesus had in the garden in the most agonizing situation that, praise the Lord, we will never have to go through and made a choice because of his trust, his love, his commitment to the plan, to God's plan, and to the vision, what God said, this is what we need to do. He had committed himself to it so much that there was, not, there was, there was no amount of agony and toil in the soul at that time that could separate him from what he said he was going to do. And that was he was going to come to serve and that he was going to humble himself in obedience even to death. That same spirit lives in us. Oh, praise the Lord, the same call doesn't live in us. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we don't have, we're, not, we're not deity. We, we couldn't do that. But you get what I'm saying. We have more than enough through the infilling of the Holy Spirit that was placed on the inside of us to take any amount of pain and, and just difficult situations that we come up against to say and look them straight in the eye and say, I am not giving into this, not my will, his. And then we humble ourselves under his plan, his way, his opinion, and it's perfect. And it reaps blessing and it reaps life every single time. It reaps life every single time. And it doesn't always feel like it's reaping life, but it is. If you just stick with it. We are not called to just understand all of the things the Lord is telling us to do. If we understood all of the intricate details before we did it and saw everything that was going to happen in the process, what do we need faith for, really? I already know it. I already know it. So in that word, I've got a couple minutes, I'll read it again. <clears throat> As I fulfill one promise, one word, one dream, I will replace it with greater dreams, greater promises, and greater vision. But also with that will come stronger resistance, greater obstacles, and fiercer battles. I will take you as far as you want to go. Don't give way to complacency. Complacency, a feeling of being satisfied. It's a place of feeling self-satisfied. Satisfied. It's pride. It's self-glory. It's importance of self, opinion. Importance of our own opinion, a swelled head. Complacency will stop your expectation and attitude of excitement as to what God is willing to accomplish through our lives when we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God there's expectation there. 
of God fulfilling a promise and not us just trying to work out our own thing. God is good. I am so thankful that he humbled himself. There's no we have arrived attitude. Humility will be your greatest asset and faith your greatest ally. Humility, Faith Family Church, is an asset to us. So if it's an asset to us, then we should probably find out how to walk in it, what it is, why we need it, what it harvests, which is what we're going to do in the next four weeks. Three weeks now. We are being asked to humble ourselves and be obedient even to the point of death to self. Amen? Death to self. And we're going to discover just how much God wants to be involved in your life and in your decisions and in your everyday. Because he's not a Sunday, Wednesday God. Sean is not my Sunday, Wednesday husband. It's a relationship. It's a commitment. Even when it feels difficult. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.